Welcome to WTTS In Conversation. I'm Matt Pelser. Admittedly, sometimes with this podcast, interviews get set aside and we aren't able to find the right time to release them. Like, I've been sitting on this Goose interview for almost a year. We did it right after the Dripfield album came out, an album that since then has become a big favorite of mine. We talk about making the album and Goose's routine of recording and releasing every show they do. In the past year, they've seen so much success, selling out nearly every show, being booked for countless festivals and seeing their fan base grow exponentially. I'm not sure I'd be able to get an interview with them now, so I'm glad that we have this. Here is me with Rick and Peter from Goose. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. You guys have some sold-out dates coming up. Radio City Music Hall in New York and, uh, in, and in Colorado, including Red Rocks. This will be your first Red Rocks show coming up in August, right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. How does Exciting. it feel to sell that place out on the first go? feels pretty unreal. Um, definitely way exceeded my expectations. Very honestly, I really didn't, you know, I was like, oh, well, maybe we'll, we'll get halfway, you know, and it really doesn't matter how many people you put in that venue. It still feels great and looks great. So we're just grateful people want to come out and, you know, the venue's able to support us playing there for the first time. And it's hard to get into that venue. So we feel lucky just to play it. Well, I, I wonder if, um, I don't want to assume too much. Have you ever seen a show there? Yeah, I saw a show there last summer, um, Strange Cheese Incident. That was my first time seeing a show there. Wow, okay, that'd be a good one to see there. That was cool. It really seems like you guys stretched a lot for this new album, Dripfield. Like like you got out of your comfort zone a bit, but you did all this pre-production, working the songs, playing a lot of them live to get used to them so that if it makes any sense, getting out of your comfort zone was actually, I don't know, comfortable enough after a while so that you could lay down what sounds like well-rehearsed and definitive versions of the songs for the record is is that kind of an accurate way to put it yeah it's interesting because <laughs> they some of the versions were not you know we we just came up with them on the spot day of we record like the day we recorded them like arrow for instance which is totally different than the way we had prepared it and that was a cool way to go about the process because yeah, you're you're laying down the album version like this recording, um, and you're playing it in a different way than you ever played it, and you know you're spending like one day on it to like get the basics in, and then you move on. So, I mean, it's a really cool process. It's a great approach to recording. You gotta just realize that it's such a moment, you know, as opposed to we have to get the very most perfect thing, you know. And now it's more about like the hey, here we are just like doing it today and whatever happens, happens. Uh, I was just going to add to that, that that's, you know, that's maybe one of the luxuries of the type of band we are, um, you know, being a, you know, predominantly live and improvisational band. It doesn't, for some reason, doesn't feel like there's the same amount of pressure for the record to, yeah, to like, like Peter was saying, to be the definitive uh, snapshot of of that music. It's just a snapshot, one of one of many that has has been taken because of the live thing is such a kind of like center piece of what the band is. Have you had to kind of work to get to that point where where it doesn't feel like there's so much pressure for the studio version, or has that kind of always been your philosophy on it? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't. I don't really. I'm not really sure. I mean, there's. I think 
we've never been in a situation where there's been a ton of pressure outside of you know self-imposed pressure for studio stuff to be something to be anything really you know there's the circles that we've grown in there just isn't that type of pressure there's other types of pressure but there's not like that not that type of pressure so it's that it feels more like just a place for us to explore and um you know it's it's just we just love recording we love being in the studio so it's it's just kind of like fun for us i mean but it's it's a different kind of thing you get a different energy from it it's a total i don't i don't want to say it's a totally different vibe because you are who you are and you play with each other and you've got uh, obviously something special going on uh, among the five of you but you're not feeding off of an audience which is so much of what you guys are but to be in that environment and to keep it anything but sterile i mean that's got to be a challenge right you know, it was, it was like quite fun this past time. I mean, I, at least the studio for us is so experimental and you end up improvising in other ways, you know, as opposed to like when we're playing live, we do a lot of improvisation together on our, like our usual instruments in the studio, especially this last time we ended up improvising on, like, on a lot of different instruments and in uh, like a lot of different ways. So it was kind of like opening up a lot of boxes creativity wise and uh it was super fun like there was not a boring moment it's a, it's a chance to like explore different things that evoke different feelings that we wouldn't otherwise have the time or opportunity to explore live necessarily because there is an audience because we're you know we're we're in we're performing you know we're playing we're performing and in the studio there's there's a little bit of time to go into a different mindset and just try to find find sounds and and ways of expressing things that just feels different and feels kind of exciting and you know has, has a different different feeling to it it seems like there are some bands who are known for the live experience get hung up on doing studio versions that they could reproduce live did you was that was that part of this at all or were you at any point like oh we couldn't do that live if you're maybe about to do an overdub or something it was like well we don't have somebody who could play that part um or is is being in the studio just another way for you to lay down something if you couldn't reproduce it live at least it's musical and at least it's something that enhances the song yeah i think there's a lot of stuff on the album <clears throat> that is not you know it's not easy for us to reproduce live there's a lot of different layers and parts i think you know we were just kind of going with it whatever suited the song on that particular day and whatever found its way into the mix was like it was really all about the recording you know that was probably the the idea there as opposed to it being like oh let's not add that because we can't play it live that, that wasn't really a mindset we were we had we were kind of just like let's make it the best it can possibly be on this recording. De definitely respect people who, who apply that mindset um, in the recording process, to, you know, take snapshots that they're really able to reproduce live or go above and beyond in making sure that they can re reproduce, you know, what they recorded live. Um, but for us, you know, like, like I was saying, the live thing is kind of, it just it has been such a focus of the band up to this point that, you know, the, the studio, what you can do there with layering and that type of experimentation, you know, I think the mindset is more why not do whatever whatever it seems like 
the song calls to do in that context because we can. I mean, nice. even in that in that circumstance, like Dan played a ton. The Dan who uh, mixed and produced the record, um, D. James Goodwin, he uh, he played a ton on on everything, and uh, you know, just like the way he plays guitar and and certain instruments, you know, we couldn't reproduce that if we tried. It's right. Just, uh, <laughs> it's such when he plays, you know, it's just like that that was really eye-opening in and of itself working with him it's just the way he approached playing guitar and the sound he kind of conjured the sounds he conjures when he plays plays certain instruments it's that that was like maybe one of the biggest eye-opening things throughout the process for me peter i know that you mix a lot of your live shows and so with that has to come uh, a, a knowledge and skill set but when it comes to recording the album, were you involved in the production aside from, you know, just laying down your parts? No, not really. Dan pretty much handled all of that, and he did such a great job. We were, like, from literally from, like, the first hour, once we heard, like, some drum sounds coming into the control room, yeah, we were blown away. We are like, okay, this is, is going to sound great, you know? There was an immediate trust that was there, and we knew, like, some of the albums, like, he had uh, recorded in the past that we loved. Yeah, you're laughing because the trust maybe wasn't immediate because we did walk in and we saw like his old like 1950s drum set that looks... But let's say it's very unassuming. It's very unassuming. <laughs> we were like, oh man, this is the drum set we, he thinks we should use? Yeah. And, and then, yeah, yeah we, we heard it and it was like, holy... Yeah, and so, I mean, he, he absolutely crushed it. There was no doubt in my mind that like we were going to walk out of there with something that was, you know, that we weren't happy with. Let's we pretty much got right on the first or second mix bounce that he did like he just kind of knew the right way to do it so all these shows that you do they're they're all recorded right every show yeah every show is recorded hopefully and (laughs) (laughs) well and you and you guys actually post them to Bandcamp and nugs which is great for me because i actually got to hear some shows before i talked to you today and they're really well recorded and peter you mix them and so on the mixing there are a million different ways to do it. And if you do this for every show or, or nearly every show, you have to have gotten pretty efficient at it, right? Like I've mixed music before and it's really easy, as you know, to get into the weeds. How do you do it? I, I think there is like, yeah, it's become efficient because you can establish a template on, uh, on your software and that kind of allows it to be, you know, you start at the same point every time. So I have all these saved plugins and saved like rides and mix button like buses and like all these effects that are there every at the start of every show, pretty much ready to go when I pop a new show in there. So a lot of the work is already done. Like the template's always improving. You know, as like things change, instruments change on stage. It's like it's changing, but. It's a really, it's like, you know, the mix is basically like 90 to 95% of the way there already. And then it's just a matter of like doing rides on uh, vocals, guitars, keyboards, and whatever else comes up and down during the show. So am I to assume then that for like a a two-hour set, you're actually spending less than that amount of time on the mix? Or is it more? Where are you at with it? Most definitely less. Yeah, that's great. The thing that takes the longest nowadays is just the bouncing of the tracks. Yeah. So, you know, that could, like, for a 20 minute jam, it takes about five minutes. <laughs> so, add it up for the length of a show. But, you know, it's not, it's just like, uh, it's, it's streamlined in a lot of ways now 
that makes it a lot easier for us to pump them out as fast and as you know as much as we do because we play a lot of shows what kind of feedback have you gotten on uh, just the fact that you do that and i know it's not a new thing and it's kind of a thing that some fans especially fans of the type of music that you do have kind of come to expect what what feedback have you gotten on these live recordings that you put out it's been mostly very positive there was a time where it was very we, we were putting out very select stuff um just because we weren't sure if it was good or like you know maybe we just didn't like how we played that night or whatever but after a while it kind of became like okay you know the fans really want to listen to the show that they went to and it was like just providing that even maybe if it was like not the best performance or we met like we messed up on a particular song for them it was very meaningful and we kind of like understood that and got that feedback from them so now we just kind of basically put out everything that's a really important point that you bring up and i didn't think about that until you until you said it like there are from your perspective some not the best shows you know because you're there you're in it you're the one playing but those in the audience probably don't notice how long did it take for you to kind of get out of your head where that's concerned like you get you get done with the show you think oh man that that could have been better and then you're like well do we even put this out it was kind of a cool process because i mean it really i think it served us uh it served it it was a cool thing at a certain point we did we used to do a thing called soundboard sundays and every sunday we, we would put out a show or two but mostly it was one show every sunday and i think it really really worked while we were kind of growing and in our you know infancy um in terms of growing growing a a fan base as a band because it wasn't it wasn't like a oversaturation of content it was kind of like a a streamline and, and sort of a ritual that allowed i think people in that early stage to kind of engage with it and something to look forward each sunday um and then you know at a certain point the volume of shows and you know we kind of were growing in a, in a way such that it, it didn't it didn't make sense in the same way anymore and then it you know it's kind of evolved to just everything was going out so you know it kind of served multiple multiple purposes we were able to be a little bit more careful about what we put out there but then you know it was also kind of uh serving this other this other purpose of of, of being a, a kind of something to look forward to a ritual thing but now it's you know it's I think it was certainly very eye-opening to me. I definitely have a lot of like perfectionism qualities, which can be really uh, inhibiting. And it's it's been very eye-opening over the years to just you know realize that even if I thought something sucked, like just letting go of it and letting it go out there and letting it be what it is. You know, it's ultimately some people think that you know what I think is a, a terrible show is the, the best show. You know, so you just never know. Yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily for us to decide what's good and bad, you know? It seems like you guys are really meticulous about your set list. You're you know, doing the jam band thing where you try not to do a song too much or have the same set as any other night. And I've always wondered why that's even a thing because you can never repeat the same jam twice. So what's the big deal? Have you ever at any point resented any of those unwritten standards for the type of music that you play? Mm-hmm. There's there's some, you know, I, I would I would say that there's some aspects of the like jam band expectations that I feel at odds with. However, like that one, not at all, because you know that's a matter of like staying engaged. You know, 
if we play a different, like playing a different set every night keeps us, it's fun. It's more, it's more fun for us. You know, we play the same song, you know, four times in a week. Like I'm sick of it. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, it's, and the jams end up being a lot more interesting. I, I've noticed that like the more stoked we are on the song, the more energy a jam can have. Definitely. Sometimes like most often, not, not always, but you know, most often that's, that's where the energy comes from when you're, really excited and sort of inspired by a certain song. Um, so, you know, playing, we play Madhavan four times in a week by the third or fourth time, kind of like over it and don't even feel like jamming it, you know? <laughs> yeah. You guys have a really cool social media presence. Who is coach? Coach? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> uh, coach is a longtime friend and uh, he went to the same high school, grew up in the same town as Rick, Trevor, and I. So he's, he's been around in our lives for some time, like even before the, the band existed. And uh, he's just a figure of <laughs> energy. He's got energy. He, he brings like, he brings a great vibe to the road and, and just to our lives in general. So we love having him out here and he, he directs the stream, so he does like the video directing um, of the cameras and everything that you watch on the live streams and all the videos nowadays. And uh, yeah, we love him. He's the man. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, you know, had a lot to do with the inception of the band. Uh, there's kind of like an infamous dinner that occurred. With, uh, I was living in Colorado at the time, and I was meeting up with John. Um, <laughs> and Trevor and you know but there was a dinner between the three of us where you know they were they were kind of saying we should we should do a band again and uh you know I was I was thinking about moving back to the east coast from Colorado and after that we kind of started playing some bar gigs and you know it's a very very slow roll from there but um but yeah it was, that was he's he's a big part of the uh, inception of the band I mean it really seems like uh I, I I, I wouldn't want to say, and and I don't. Maybe you wouldn't either, or maybe you would. I don't know. I wouldn't want to say that he's like a sixth member, but it really kind of seems like he is an essential part of uh, you guys being out and active and on the road. I, I certainly wouldn't want to go on Goose Tour without him. So I, I I hesitated to ask about this, but have you seen these T-shirts that some of the Fish fans have made? The I'm not sold on Goose T-shirts. <laughs> That was Goose fans. That was Goose fans? I thought it was Fish fans. I was told wrong then. We, we can't tell the difference anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, okay, so had, had you seen them, like, what was your opinion of them? It seemed to me, like, when I was talking to somebody else about this, that, like, it was a thing that that some, like, jam fans came up with and that, like, he, I, I was like, I, I, I'm talking to him. Should I ask about the shirts? And he was like, oh, don't ask about the shirts because, uh, because uh, it might it might offend them, and I'm like I don't I don't think it will. They seem like pretty chill guys. Our our friends wear those shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Bruce Bruce wears that shirt all the time. Yeah, it's just a big joke. Yeah, I mean I mean like I, I think it's probably it's pretty damn serious for a lot of people, but um, yeah, whatever you know. You know it, it is it is what it is. You know, like yeah, we're we're not fish. We jam. We sound. I mean, I'm, I obviously the, the comparison is like makes all of the sense, but. Um, you know, we're not fish and are not trying to be, we're just trying to do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. But before, before I knew that I was like, man, they ought to just own it. Kind of like, kind of like Primus did with the whole Primus sucks thing back in the day. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever works. Maybe, but yeah, sometimes I'm not sold on goose. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, when you got to live it day in and day out, I, yeah. I totally get it. You know, that's, that's what we work towards. I'm, I'm just, yeah, we're just working so, so we can be sold on goose. Yeah. Well, Rick and Peter, I really appreciate your time and uh, congrats on the new album, Drip Field. And again, thanks for talking. Thank you, man. Thanks for yeah. having us. Thanks for having us, man. They're one of the biggest live bands out there now. And by the way, check out Dripfield. It's so good. I hope that Goose comes back real soon. Thanks for listening. This has been WTTS In Conversation. If you like what you heard, maybe hit subscribe. There's a lot that we do that doesn't end up on this podcast. You can find it at WTTSFM.com, where you can also stream us. Socials, WTTSFM. I can be found at Matt Pelser Radio on Instagram. Back again in a couple weeks. Talk to you then.